What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Nothing But Sports Podcast. I'm Rahel Jaswell. This is episode 54. We've got three things to talk about. Talk about the Yankees bringing back Aaron Boone and some more stuff about what they have to do this offseason and stuff as because it kind of correlates with Boone. And then we're going to talk about the Ben Simmons drama in Philadelphia because it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And then, of course, we're going to finish it off with the NFL picks for week number seven. Wow. I can't believe we're already in week seven of the NFL season. Um, I'm just going to get this out of the way. I went 0-1. I'm 0-1 right now because I got the Thursday night game wrong for um, for uh, for this week. But in week six, I went 10-4 and last week because the 14 games in week five I went 12-4. and So pretty good weeks. I'm on a pretty good run after the first two weeks. But um, anyway, let's get started. So <clears throat> it was announced earlier this week that the Yankees are going to bring back Aaron Boone as the manager. And after the Yankees' wildcard loss, I was of the mindset that it's time for him to go, that he should have been fired. And I still stand by this. I don't like him as a manager. I don't, I mean, I don't think he's a horrible manager by any stretch or sort, but I don't think he's a good manager. I think he's probably an average or a little below average manager. And it's because, you know, he's made a lot of questionable decisions. You know, um, I look at that wild card game, you know, in particular, the the lineup entering the game. I mean, first of all, actually, let's let's start with the, his move, his pitching moves. OK, um, that wild card game, I'll give an example, t- letting Luis Severino stay in there and pitch after walking Rafael Devers on four straight pitches, and he was nearing the pitch, p- his pitch count high, at least for as soon, um, you know, when he had, ever since he had come off the IL, he was nearing that high, high pitch count, and they left him in there. And the next thing you know, he gives up a double because of a stolen base, and then the gap, the um, pretty much at that point, the game was over. But you know, that's you know, that's one of those situations like you know, you you should have probably seen it and taken him out. You know, again, might rather take out a pitcher one one batter too early than late. And then also, I look at the lineup for that game. Um, you know, I don't think it would have, let's be honest, I'm going to be completely honest, it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, but just looking at it, you know, him putting John Carlos Stanton at the DH position when we know he hits better, you know, he did that plenty of times this year. You know, once it was established that John Carlos Stanton could play the field after they got Joey Gallo, he can continue to put him at the DH position, yet we knew for a fact, based on the numbers, that he was far better of a hitter and a player when he played the outfield, but Boone many times stuck him at the DH position. I understand it's, it's about keeping your players healthy, but he he seemed no problem playing in the outfield. Also, there were times this year where he moved, kept moving Joey Gallo up in the order to number two, where Joey Gallo had publicly come out and said that he prefers to hit in the six through nine hole of the order. So if that's the case, why are you putting Gallo... In at two, if you like, you know, he could probably hit second or maybe even third because of how athletic he is in his power. But he has stated that he hits better and he likes it better when he's in the six through uh, six through nine towards the bottom of the lineup. So why don't you keep him in that position? You know, why do you have to continue moving him up? And that's you know, those are just sort of situations I scratch my head at where you know you you have proof of why the other way is better, why one way is better, but you completely go the opposite way. And, you know, it, it just, it's annoying because, you know, I think the Yankees, even regardless of Aaron, or, you know, we could say all we want about Aaron Boone, the Yankees should be performing better. You know, 
it's, I don't think it's on Boone that, you know, the Yankees are streaky up and down. The one thing I like about Aaron Boone is he fights for his players, and he argues calls, and he protects them so they don't get thrown out of the game. And he has some epic rants. But otherwise that, I'm just not a huge, a huge fan of him. And, you know, people are going to point the finger at Cashman as to why he did this, but, you know, I, I guess we'll see what happens moving forward. Maybe, And also, if they were going to bring him back, I'd prefer it be on a one-year deal instead of a three-year deal. But, hey... It, it, it is what it is, I guess. And now we look at the Yankees this offseason. I think the number one priority is um is definitely to re-sign Anthony Rizzo. Because, you know, once you re-sign Rizzo, then you can figure out what you want to do with Luke Voigt. You know, if you... Also, you know, Boone, I thought, mismanaged the Luke Voigt situation going back to Boone. Because there were so many times where Voigt could have been stuck in at the D as a consistent designator hitter position. But Voigt just couldn't, you know, couldn't play consistently enough. And then they were expecting him to do stuff as pinch hitter and, you know, coming back into a game. You know, it's tough for a guy to, to get a rhythm and hit and see the ball well when he's only playing once every eight, nine days. So that just didn't work. But yeah, um, resign Rizzo back to the offseason moves, I think, is the number one priority. Then you can figure out what you want to do with Luke Voigt, whether you want to trade him. Personally, if Rizzo doesn't resign, then I'm of the mindset you should keep Luke Voigt. I'm even of the mindset that you can honestly make the argument that you should keep Luke Voigt as a uh, designated hitter because he's just he you know because of that power. But if they want to flip him to a team that needs him for pitching, then they can do that. So I think the number one priority there is re-signing Rizzo. You know, there's now reports coming out that Tanaka can opt out of his two-year deal in Japan. So do you want to bring Matsuhiro Tanaka back to the Bronx? You know, that's another option. Um, we're gonna see what they do with. Gary Sanchez, personally, I've had it with Gary Sanchez, but I don't know what other option is out there. Same thing with Higashioka. Maybe uh, Higashioka is a decent backup catcher, but in besides that, no. I'm personally just, you know, I think Higashioka needs to go as well. And, yeah, we're going to see what it says moving forward. There's been rumors that they might try and trade for Seager or Correa. At this point, I'd prefer Seager, even though Correa is a better player, just because I don't know how the the clubhouse would be if Correa is in the team because a lot of the Yankees players come out and came out and bashed him during the sign stealing scandal. So that would probably throw maybe a little toxic energy in the clubhouse, but I don't know. I mean, I'd be over the moon to get both of them ship Glaber Torres off. I don't know what happened to Glaber Torres. Where did his power go? Did Glaber Torres just take steroids? Because how do you go from 34 home runs in a 163 game season then Obviously, last year with COVID, we gave him the benefit of the doubt because he showed up out of shape and it was tough in a 60-game season. But then this full year, you know, he comes back in shape, but he hits nine home runs. Where did the power go? That is like, that is impossibly bad. How do you go from 34 to nine home runs? It makes no sense to me. It really does. Um, doesn't make any sense to me. DJ LeMay, he was a big disappointment, but he had a down year. I think he'll be back and better than ever next year. But yeah, that's all I'm going to say on the Yankees thus far. Um... We're going to see what happens moving forward, but yeah, certainly interesting in the Bronx. Cashman has certainly got a lot of things to figure out. All right, let's move now to the NBA. The NBA season is underway. First couple days of the season. Let's talk about Ben Simmons because the more this goes by, you know, the worse and worse it gets. Ben Simmons did want it, said he was not going to report training camp. He held out. I did a podcast. I did an episode. I talked about it then. Then he reported to training camp, so I thought, okay. Then there was he had a cell phone in his pocket. He was disengaged. Then before the season started, the Sixers suspended him, and th- uh, he got kicked out of practice. They suspended him for the one game. Then they came out and said that you know he was dealing with back injuries. 
and back spasms, and that's why he wasn't playing. And now they've come out and say he's mentally just not prepared to play. And I hear yesterday then that they had a team meeting in. A couple players, they were able to clear the air. So to be completely honest, I have no idea what the hell is going on. Is Ben Simmons happy? Probably not, but I don't know what the hell is going on right now. And I, it's just a tough situation to judge because you hear, you hear something different every day. And the Sixers, they don't want to trade Simmons. Let, let's get that straight. They do not. They were trying to do. They are trying to do right now everything to make sure that Ben Simmons is a member of the Sixers and is back out there. Because Ben Simmons, we can talk all about how bad his shot is and you know maybe that he doesn't have work ethic. And while probably most of that is true, he is 6'11", has the best handles you might ever see for a guy that big and, is a pot- and has all the tools and makeup to be a defensive player of the year. You know, we can say that. You know, people point to that Game 7, what he didn't do on offense, but he did hold, hold, hold Trae Young to 5 of 24 shooting that game. Now, it wasn't all him, but he had a major part in that. So he was pr- proven he can be a defensive stopper and a lockdown, lockdown defender. The problem is you just can't play him down the stretch because he's, he, he can't shoot the ball. And I don't see that getting any better. So maybe is it time we tell ourselves that, you know, I've, I've seen people talk about this, but maybe we just need to reassess all, you know, reassess our expectations of Ben Simmons. You know, we can't rate him as a superstar anymore. You know, he can't be, he, he, you know, maybe he can't be a number one, number two, or maybe even a number three on a team. Maybe he has to be like, sort of like a Draymond kind of guy. Defensive stopper, the ball doesn't stick to his hands. It quickly moves and he facilitates and he grabs rebounds. He plays defense. He's not meant for shooting the three pointers. Maybe that is the perfect role for Ben Simmons. As we go forward, maybe it's not this all NBA superstar potential MVP we're thinking about when he was drafted because he's made no improvements whatsoever when he's been drafted. But I'm with the mantra really personally, Ben Simmons need to suck it up and just play. He Listen, the more you hold out, the more you're just going to make the situation worse. You're just pouring more, every day go, that goes by and Ben Simmons doesn't step foot on the court as a sixer. There's just being there's. There's just, there's a bunch of gasoline. There's another pound of gasoline that's being thrown onto the fire. Okay, if I'm Ben Simmons, you got to suck it up and get out there and take the booing reception. And you know what? Use it. Use it as motivation. You know, you want to boo me? Okay, fine. I'll put my nose, I'll put my, you know, I'll, I'll put my head down, grind, work my ass off and get better instead of being lazy and holding out and being scared. Of, he's scared to face Philadelphia. That's the whole situation is he knows that he's going to get his, you know what, actually, his ass lit up when he, when he comes up. They'll be, they'll, be, they'll be screaming at him like he doesn't even play for them. I think probably when he touches the ball, like, uh, like someone does when they come back to an old team and they don't like him, that's what's going to happen. They're just going to boo him like crazy. But he has the chance to win him back, okay? I understand Philadelphia is a tough place to play. Same thing as New York. They're both the same. But there goes the saying, they'll hate you one minute, they'll love you the next minute. So if you can play well and you can you can change the Phillies perception of you, okay? You can do it. We've seen people go from hero to villain back to hero in all the big cities. You know, we saw it with Julius Randle this year. He went from he went from villain at first to hero, then to villain, and now after the first two games, a hero again. It it just fluctuates like this. And I think that's what you have to learn. Now 
Like I said, the Sixers don't want to trade him because they know for a fact they're not going to get what I want for him. Because if you're a general manager right now and you want to trade for Ben Simmons and a team, the Sixers come up to you and say, hey, we want two first-round picks, you would say, hold on. Why the hell am I going to give you that much money, that much, and fulfill your request when I know you are desperate to get rid of him, if it comes to that, you know? Why would I want to give up so much to take a problem off your hands? If he's worth that much, why is he such a problem, you know? If they can sense the desperation, his value is going to keep dropping. So the Sixers really don't want to trade him because then you're wasting a first overall pick. Also, Ben Simmons does give them valuable production. Uh, you know, he he's not great, but he does get, you know, he's not what we thought he could be, but he he gives you valuable production if you're a six for the Sixers. So we'll see what happens. Once again, I'm I'm fully on the side that Ben Simmons just needs to suck it up, work, try and figure out the jump shot. You don't even have to be a great jump shooter. Just be a half decent one and make at least like a couple to get the respect. You at least have to get the respect of opponents and then you can do your thing. You know, Giannis is not a great three-point shooter, but he's gotten somewhat of a respect from defenders, which is allowing him to play better. So we're going to see. Um, that's, that's my opinion on the Ben Simmons sort of drama. Philly has to do something before it gets out of hand. So I don't know. Are they just going to keep suspending Ben Simmons? When will we actually see him step on the court? Does he even step on the court? Where does he trade for? Again, I think maybe the best situation to be traded for would be the Philadelphia, um, would be the Portland Trailblazers, maybe for in exchange, maybe for CJ or something like that. Cause the Trailblazers have the scoring with Lillard and guys like Norman Powell, and Nurkic as well. They just need defense, and I think Ben Simmons can do that. He can be the facilitator for guys like Lillard. You know, he doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to play the point guard position. Maybe he can just, you know, I don't know, maybe play the two or three and just facilitate, or maybe he can even, you know, play the bench, bench unit. I don't know. He can facilitate, and the 76ers get their shooter and someone who can handle the ball in C.J. McCollum. So we're going to, uh, that maybe that's really the only realistic trade destination I, destination I see. Also, it's a small market, so there's far less pressure on him, and he's not under a microscope like he is under Philadelphia. So um, I think that's maybe the only likely trade destination I could see for him. But yeah, it's a, uh, what a situation is in Philadelphia. It's the hottest play. It's the hottest thing to talk about right now in the NBA besides the Lakers, but I don't really want to talk about the Lakers because I'm not, you know, going to overreact and be like, oh my God, what's going on with them? I picked them to finish fourth for a reason. So anyway, let's get now into week seven's NFL picks. I started the week 0-1. Again, like I told you, I don't lie at my picks for Thursday night. I thought because of the injuries to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Baker Mayfield, that the Broncos would pull off the upset, but they did not. I did not anticipate Vaughn Miller going down in the game. Maybe that, I don't know if that could have played. I don't know. They. I don't think they... They, I don't think that's an excuse. I, I don't think Denver would have won that game anyway, but I'm 0-1. That's the second Thursday night game I've got wrong because I picked the Giants to beat Washington that one week. And there's only 13 games this week because of all the bye weeks and stuff going on. And so it's going to be, um, so it's, a, it's another small week. Last week, there was 14 games. Like I said, I went 10-4 and last week. Not, you know, pretty good. Ever since the first two weeks, I've been in double-digit wins every single every single week. So, Hopefully we can continue that trend. This will be a little bit more difficult because there's less games to call, and I'm already 0-1, so that means I only have a margin of two games wrong, and there's a lot of coin flips this weekend. Let's start it off with the Giants and Panthers. Giants back to 1 o'clock at home after the pathetic... Oh, my God. Pathetic... 
uh, gut-wrenching, or not even gut-wrenching, just hurting your eyes performance against the Los Angeles Rams. I didn't expect them to beat the Rams, but I didn't expect it to be that bad. Um, At least they showed some fight towards the end. Uh, You know, Daniel Jones, you know, everyone's going to talk about, oh, the turnovers came back. He threw three interceptions, but personally, I didn't think he played that. You know, personally, I don't think the three interceptions were, you know, you know, a telltale of like, you know, it wasn't just his fault. There was no blocking. His receivers couldn't get open, and he was getting lit up in the backfield. Um, I don't know if he's... It, it's tough because especially the way he went off in the Dallas game. So, and again, they, you know, they lost Kadarius Tony. didn't have Darius Slayton. You know, no, I'm not going to make excuses for injuries because every team goes through them. But the Giants toward the end of the game didn't have a, a normal, you know, wide receiver, you know, a normal, normal trained base wide receiver. They ran out of all of them. So, anyway... They've got a game versus the Panthers. Panthers have come back to earth after the 3-0 start. Sam Darnold is starting to look like the New York Jets' Sam Darnold. Although, the Panthers did, because of special teams play and because of a clutch late drive, the Panthers almost squeaked one out against the Vikings. They were dominated in that game. They took it to overtime, and they almost pulled it out, but they didn't. They lost at home. So, do I think the Giants can pull off the upset? I don't really call it an upset because the Panthers are 3-3 and they're a decent team. So do I think the Giants can win this game? I do. I think it's a winnable game, but I've lost sort of all hope in picking them to win a game, so I'm going to go with Carolina. Um, also because Carolina's defense has been pretty good. They've got Stephon Gilmore. He's still intrigating, you know, working his way into it. Um, so, you know, it's so I suspect a lot better performances from him in that defense. Come later in the week, the Giants don't have to face McCaffrey, but... Hubbard will probably go uh, go crazy just how the Giants' defense looks. The Giants' defense looks like a shell of its former self than it did last year. Um, losing Devlin Tomlinson was a huge Dalvin Tomlinson. Tomlinson was a huge loss on the defensive line. They didn't really make up for it. They got Aziz Ojulari, but he's on the outside and he's played all right. But he hasn't given the not uh, you know nowhere near the production Tomlinson gave the Giants last year. Um, not to mention Saquon's probably not going to play. Uh, Saquon's been ruled out, so is Kadarius Toney, and so is Kenny Galladay. Darius Slayton is going to play, but hey, Darius Slayton, Mr. Dr- Mr. Overrated, I have so much speed for nothing, because all I do is drop the ball, Slayton's going to play, so woohoo, the Giants are saved. Yeah, the Panthers are going to win. Um, again, maybe I'm wrong, but again, I'm just going to go into every Giants game without any hope. Um, they've killed my spirit. I thought they could win the division. I actually picked them two out of, you know, maybe a little biased. And, you know, people always ask me, you know, why are you not hopeful? Look what I'm working with. Yeah. All right. So, Giants, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the Panthers to win this game. Next one, Washington versus the Packers. <clears throat> I think it's officially time we say that the Packers are back, that the Packers are the Packers. You know, everyone has been pointing, been like, oh, are they really the Packers? Are they fully back after week one where they lost 38-3? to And... Like I said, like I mentioned before, after week one, remember, last season, okay, Green Bay was shaky to start the year, okay? They had that rough loss at Minnesota where Dalvin Cook ran for like 200-plus yards and two touchdowns, and then they had that game against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers where they lost 38-10, to and Aaron Rodgers threw two pick-sixes and three interceptions after they started out the game up, I think, 7 nothing. But then what did he do after those games? The Packers didn't lose another one. Or the Packers went on a got red hot down. You know what did he do after that? Um, uh, he he ran away with the league MVP, and he and they pretty much won every game after that. 
So he doesn't, Rodgers, look at him. He bounces back from losses really well. He did it last year. And I think last, I think week one was one of those games where it was like, okay, he lost, but now he's going to bounce back from it. And the win over the Bears was quality because the Bears are a scrappy team and it's a divisional rivalry and they have a good defense. So for the Packers to win that one, that's a good one. Also, the Packers defense is looking better and better. Only 14 points given up. I know it was against Fields, but... It was a close game. The Green Bay Packers were to eke it out. So I think they're going to beat Washington. And again, I've said it every episode. What is wrong with Washington's defense? I mean, they're almost bottom in the league. I mean, they're giving up almost 30 points a game. Um, You know, gave up 31 against Casey. No shame in that. Um, Gave up 33 to New Orleans. You know, that's one where it's like, eh, okay. You know, the Giants only gave up like, what did the Giants give up? I think they gave up 27 in New Orleans. Uh, you know, they gave, I think they gave up 40 at one point. Who did they give up 42? They gave up, I know they gave up 29 to New York, but that really should have been 30 if Slayton hadn't dropped touchdown. So they've had a, it's just weird to see, see this, you know, huge drop off in the defense from where they were last season. And again, you know, them struggling on defense and now Aaron Rodgers coming in. And the problem is, you know, Washington, I think, has a relatively decent offense. You know, not a great offense, but not a ba- you know terrible offense. I think they have a relatively decent one. But the problem is their offense is not good enough to where they can compensate for the defense being that bad. Washington can't consistently score 35, 40 points, and that's what they're going to do at this. And at this rate, that's probably what they're going to have to do to win games because of how bad their defense is. Their offense is just not good to compensate for that defense. The backbone of that team was the defense. So, you know, struggling on defense, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think Rodgers has another solid game, and the Packers win this one comfortably, although, you know, Washington had a good showing in the first half against um, Kansas City, but I think I think Green Bay gets this one easily, relatively comfortably. Next up, <clears throat> Chiefs versus Titans, speaking of Kansas City. This is another really good game. You know, the Titans got a big signature win against the, um, against the, uh, the, the Bills, on Monday night, came from behind, just hopped on Derrick Henry's back and rode him to victory. They made the stop. You know, I don't mind Sean McDermott going for it there. Maybe a different play call than a QB sneak, but, you know, that's in the past now. Um, You know, I got the Chiefs, and I think here is why. I still don't trust the Titans' defense. They have an iffy defense. They were iffy against the Bills, and I think the Chiefs are going to outscore the Titans again. I think the Chiefs are going to do enough to not let Derrick Henry completely take over the game. I think Henry's going to have a monster game. I think he's going to rush for over 150 yards and probably have two or three touchdowns. But I don't think it's going to be enough because I think the Titans defense won't be able to get stops on KC. I'm expecting like a 45-34 to or 45-35 to scoreline, something crazy like that where there's a whole bunch of yards. I think Tannehill also has a decent game, but maybe throws, I don't know, maybe throws an interception or so. And, you know, people are talking about the Chiefs. You know, they're 3-3, three and three, you know, the first time in the Mahomes-Reed sort of era that they're, they've, they haven't started at least 5-0. and oh. and, um, he, and, you know, there's this question rolling around the league. You know, has the, has the, you know, have the NFL teams figured out Patrick Mahomes? I think that's a complete bullshit question. Because here is what I think is going on. Okay? Number one. This is, pro- this is a little reality check for Patrick Mahomes because last year he had the most dropped interceptions. So he was still, you know, making these, you know, relatively ill-advised throws, but the def- the defensive backs are just dropping them. 
there and there's just years where that doesn't where the bounces you know nothing bounces your way and you have an off year okay but also you have to think it's a lot like what Russell Wilson went through last year <clears throat> remember through the first 6 games Seattle's defense was terrible and you know there was the mantra going around let Russ cook he was the MVP through 6 games and then he started burning because you know in a bad way you know he started burning what he was cooking and he was he, you know he was throwing 3 4 interceptions a game and why was that because he was trying to push the ball and overcompensate because of how bad the defense of Seattle was. I think that's the same exact thing that is going on with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Mahomes is trying to push the ball and overcompensate because the defense has really taken a downturn. They were horrible in the year he won the league MVP. When they won the Super Bowl and last year, they were relatively decent and respectable. But now he's starting to push it because they've become horrible again. But that's why I think it's not a question of has the league figured out Mahomes. I think that's complete bullshit. But yeah, I've got the Chiefs winning this game just by the skin of their teeth. Another good win. They go to four and three and they have a favorable schedule coming up. So expect for the Chiefs to find their rhythm the next couple games. Next up, Falcons versus Dolphins. <clears throat> um, I look like an idiot for believing in Miami at the start of the season. Um, I got Atlanta winning. Atlanta is on the uptake after starting 0-3. The Falcons, yeah, they started 0-3. I know they beat the Giants and Jets, but there were two close games that they were able to nick out. And you know about the Falcons in close games. Normally, they blow them. So that's why the Falcons are sort of on the uptake. Right now, Miami is searching for answers because the Miami Dolphins defense was really... I mean, they played not a bad game, but they really should have played a lot better considering they were going up against that Jags offense that was struggling and Urban Meyer, who hadn't gotten his first win as a coach, but it happened. They lost in London, but also it's very rare you see a team play in London and then play the next week. Normally, the team that plays in London gets the bye because it was it's you know it's tough with the time zone and the flying back. And since they're not, I think they're probably still a little you know little little somewhat mentally checked out. I don't know about mentally checked, but you know they're they're still trying to fight that you know of having to play in London. It's a tough thing to come back and readjust. So I think it comes up to him there. I think the Matt Ryan Falcons have a pretty good day on offense, and they get this win, but man, oh man, are the Dolphins left search. What the hell happened, Brian Flores? Last year, I was saying you should have been in Coach of the Year conversation because they went 10-6, and six, but they still didn't make the playoffs, but my goodness, what the hell is happening, and what the hell has happened to Miami? Next up, Jets and Pats. Oh man, we're almost halfway through the games already. Jets and Pats, I got the Pats. Um, <clears throat> Pats are looking better and better, granted, so are the Jets, but... I think it's another rough day for Zach Wilson. I think Bill Belichick dials up another one of those master game plans that makes life hell for rookie quarterbacks. And um, personally, uh, uh, you know, I think Zach Wilson is just going to be inconsistent this year. It's how it's going to be. Um, New England's defense is on the uptake. You know, they gave up 35 last week to Dallas, but that's again in Dallas. Um, you know, they played that great game against Tampa Bay where they only gave up 19 points against that offense, but also. Mac Jones is getting more and more confident, and they're finally letting him really, you know, cut it loose and throw balls down the field. And that was a really good, you know, I didn't expect them to keep pace with um with um with uh, Dallas for that whole game, but they did. They went, you know, they kept pace, pushed him to overtime, had a couple chances to get him off the field, couldn't do it just because of how good the Cowboys receivers are. You can make the argument towards the end that the Patriots at one point were probably going to win the game, but Dallas somehow was just able to squeak by. Um, that's why I've got New England going through, um, getting through. I think the Jets are definitely on the uptake. I think I like Robert Sala as a coach. 
I think he brings that good defensive attitude, and they played a decent game against the Falcons last week. Uh, um, you know, they played against a decent game against the Falcons in London, but I just don't... The problem with the Jets is they don't play four quarters of football. They always come out slow, and I think that's going to happen again, and you can't do that against the Bill Belichick New England Patriots team. So that's why I'm going to go with the Patriots in this one. Next up, uh, this is one of the more intriguing and better games we're probably going to have this week. Bengals versus Ravens, AFC North football. I love AFC North football, no matter who it is. It's smash mouth, hard football. And um, who have I got in this one? It's a coin flip because the Bengals are a good te- are a very good team, but I've got the Ravens just because... <clears throat> did you see what the Ravens defense did to Justin Herbert and that Chargers offense? They made Justin Herbert look like Nathan, Pe- not Nathan Peterman, but they made him look like he didn't even belong in the league. While Justin Herbert was putting up an MVP season, one rookie of the year last year, and it's been unbelievable. And they completely, they completely killed him. They gave up six points, and that Chargers offense with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Elker couldn't move the football on him. Even with all the injuries the, the Ravens had. Now, I don't think they're going to do that to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think the Bengals are obviously going to get some sort of offense. But I think the defense is going to play really well. I think they're going to get a, two, uh, two interceptions on Joe Burrow just because that offensive line with the Bengals is always iffy. So I got a feeling Joe Burrow is going to get, a lot, get hit a lot. And Lamar Jackson's going to do his thing. They're going to mesh. And the thing about the Ravens is now they've evolved. They finally, you know, they're still a run first team. But if you really want to and they're really forced to, they can beat you with the passing game. They show that against the Colts. So it's a real, it's now a real dangerous team because they've evolved a lot. So I'm going to go with the Ravens to win this one. I think the Ravens, I don't know how they're winning these games, but because in my opinion, Lamar Jackson's the MVP because they're five and one and they have the most injuries in the, they're tied for the most injuries in the NFL. And the only other team is with, I think Detroit and they're Owen, they're, they're Owen six. Yeah. Detroit's Owen six. So I'm going to go with the Ravens to win this game over the Bengals. Next one, Eagles versus Raiders. Another interesting one. Um, I was surprised with the, uh, with the, with the Raiders, um, uh, I was really surprised with, um, with how they were able to put the, uh, sort of John Gruden stuff behind them. And they played a good solid game against Denver. Didn't let them get, didn't really let Teddy Bridgewater get any rhythm of any sorts. And, um, I think they're going to do it again. I think they're going to beat the, uh, beat the Eagles. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts has really struggled in the last two games. His receivers haven't helped him out. They haven't done any favors. They've been dropping a lot of balls. But the the Raiders have a very a pretty good to decent a good passing defense, and now that's two straight games where Hertz has failed to get over 200 yards passing, and I don't know if that trend continues this game, but I think they're going to get maybe one or two interceptions on Hertz. And again, the offensive line of the Eagles is a little iffy. They've had a lot of injuries, so they had to have a bunch of different combinations of players. So I think Max Crosby is going to get in there. Um, I think it's a scrappy game but I think the Raiders pull it out over Philadelphia. Next one, Lions versus the Rams. Um, if, the, if the Lions don't win, if the Rams win, if the Rams don't win this game, like if the Lions win, I'll be flabbergasted. I don't know what the heck would have happened. Matthew Stafford's playing against his old team. I think he has a big game. And with seeing the way the Rams offense cooked the Giants like that, I think they're going to cook the, uh, seeing the way that the Rams offense cooked the Giants, I think they're going to cook the Rams like that. Get maybe one or two interceptions. Oh, also, Jared Goff is playing his former team. He's playing the Rams. So well, um, so maybe both 
maybe the Lions will know how to play Stafford, but Stafford's never had these weapons. But I think the Rams' defense might know how to play uh, Goff. I mean, the simple thing is you just take away the play action of, of Goff, and then you're good. So I'm going to go with the Rams to win this one like rip pretty easily. I think this is probably the, the widest margin of victory in the game. It's a 17-point spread. I'm be, I'd actually be inclined to take that, the Rams, to cover. Next up, <clears throat> Texans-Cardinals. Another. These two games are probably the two worst games of the week. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I think it's fair to acquiesce and say the Cardinals are the best team in the league right now. That air raid offense is just so good. Um, Kyler Murray, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, you know, you know, uh, that offense is just so, um, that air raid offense is unbelievable. And then the air raid offense gets all the, um, you know, all the air raid, you know, the, the, the passing attack gets all the, um, you know, it gets all the flash and all the credit, but they have a good one, two running back combination punch with Chase Edmonds, who I really like and James Conner. That's a good one, two punch, you know. You know, none of those guys are like, you know, top five running backs, but that is a good combination. That is a good one-two punch, two solid, very good running backs that could start for any team. So that that's there. And also, this defense is quietly and slowly, you know, under the radar, sort of sneakily getting better each and every game. You know, there was a question mark in Minnesota where they gave up 33 and could have lost that game. And I was like, whoa, okay, you know, maybe I'm not just bought in on Arizona just yet. But ever since then, they've been getting their rhythm. They did a good job against the Browns, only holding them to 14 points. You know, J.J. Watt, I think, was a brilliant pickup, opened things up. Chandler Jones wasn't even there last week, and they were pretty much able to shut Baker and company down and get a couple turnovers off him. So this Cardinals team is dangerous because, you know, the air raid off, off uh, you know, air raid attack, it's all the um, praise and stuff, but it's a very good underrated, de- you know, a very underrated, quietly improving defense and a good one-two punch combo at running back. And, you know, the Texans had their opening win against the Jaguars, and then since then they've sort of been, man, you know, they've had a couple good games. They almost snuck a win out against the beat-up offensive line of New England, but I'm going to go with the Cardinals to win the game. Again, you know, probably the two widest margins of victory are those two games right there. Next one, Bears-Buccaneers, <clears throat> 430 game. You know, I think the Bears are going to keep this a lot closer than people think. Um, but I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. You know, Tom Brady is... Pl- I don't know how Brady is doing this. Brady is playing better than he did at, like, age 28. <laughs> Which is insane to think about. The guy is 42 years old. And he is playing better and better. It makes no sense to me how he is doing this. You know, last year, you know, people were like, oh, he's on the decline because of... You know, because he didn't start out well. But that was with... That was because he didn't, you know, he was learning the playbook and he didn't have a uh, preseason or training camp to work with. And Bruce Arians was still trying to mesh with him and learn what works for Tom. But now this year, they come in having a full training camp, just wanting the Super Bowl in a year with the playbook under his belt. And all of a sudden, they are just meshing on every sort of level. Yes, they are dealing with injuries. I know Antonio Brown is out, but I still think they're going to, I don't know if they're Super Bowl ready yet, but. You know, even when they're not healthy, they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, you know, it, th- you know, this season couldn't be a little reality check with all the injuries because somehow they were able to stay healthy the whole of last year. But um, this year they've been hit with injuries in the secondary. But I think the offense is going to do enough. I think the, the Bears defense is going to put up a good showing. And, you know, actually when uh, last season when they met at Soldier Field, I think they held them to the Buccaneers to 19 points. And that was the, 
the the fi- in the famous Tom Brady. Oh, I thought it was third down. Sort of really forgot how many downs there, what down it was, and they actually won the game there. They pull off the upset. But um, I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers to win this one. I think Justin Fields is getting better, but again, the Browns line, the uh, not the Browns, the Bears line, offensive line, it's still iffy. And the Buccaneers, I know they haven't been rushing the passer as well as they normally have, but they tend to beat up uh, offensive lines that are beat up. So they tend to, you know, they tend to do their job. I think they're going to do that. Jason Pierre-Paul and the Dominican Sue Vita Vea, they're going to do their thing. Also, another reason the, the Bears were able to stay so close last week with the Packers is um, Khalil Herbert was able to run the ball really well. Can't run the ball in this Buccaneers defense. People are not even trying anymore. It's just not possible to run in between the tackles. Only chance you have is bouncing it out to the outside. You can't run in between Pierre Paul, Vita Vea, Dominican Sue. Uh, it just, it just, it don't, uh, Shaq Barrett, it just don't work. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers to win this game and continue their quest for another Super Bowl. Next up, Sunday night game, Colts versus 49ers. This is a coin flip as well. Both sides have been decimated this year by injury. Um, <clears throat> no, obviously no Mostert because he's out for the season. No Kittle. For the um for the 49ers, Jimmy G is just coming off the injury, so who knows? He might be a little rusty. Uh, they're coming off the bye week as well, so hopefully they're still um relatively rested. They've got a couple injuries in the secondary as well, but um also if you look at the Colts, uh they've had their fair share of injuries as well. Quinn and Nelson, their top guard, is probably not going to play. They might be without Ty Hilton as well. Um, it's it's a you know they might be without Ty Hilton as well and um. A couple more injuries in the secondary. I believe their cornerback tore their tore his Achilles. So who do I think is going to win this injury ravage game? I'm going to go with the Colts, and here is why. Okay, I think that even though this Colts defense is not 100% healthy, they are still a very good one. I think they proved that. You know, they really should have won that game against the Ravens because they shut them down for basically three quarters, and then the fourth quarter they sort of lost control. But they showed they have showed flashes of how good they can be. Um, Carson Wentz has thrown one interception in the last three in the last three games, so he is cutting out the turnovers slowly but surely. Um, will he get enough time? I think he'll get enough time to um, to play. You know, yeah, losing T. Y. Hilton is a big deal, but T. Y. Hilton hasn't putting hasn't been putting up number one sort of type of numbers. It's really all on the run game right now, and I think the four I think the the Colts just do enough to eke out a win. But again, this one's a coin flip. But again. In a coin flip game, I'm not going to take Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, I'm just not a huge Jimmy Garoppolo fan. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a hater, but like I, I just don't think I, I personally think he's just overrated. Uh, Carson Wentz is not you know Carson Wentz is not the best either, but I do think Wentz was due for a bounce back year, and I do think Wentz is getting better and better as the season goes on. I think his connections with you know his chemistry with uh, Pittman it's going to get better, and I think um and I and I think they're going to do enough running the football with Jonathan Taylor to get the win. But again, that one's another toss-up. Again, a lot of games this week that are coin flips. And now the Monday night game, Saints and Seahawks. Uh, Last year, this would have been an extremely exciting matchup, Drew Brees versus Russell Wilson. But now it is James James Winston versus Geno Smith. Who do I see coming out on top? I see the New Orleans Saints coming out on top, primarily just because their defense I think, I don't think the, um, I, I was actually relatively surprised with how well Geno Smith played against the, um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that was moment, that was, I think that was more just the ineptitude of the Steelers offense, 
because they couldn't do anything against a horrible Seattle Seahawks team. They were blowing them out 17-0, and they just sort of lost their rhythm. Big Ben had a, had a turnover that sort of changed the momentum. Um, I don't think this... I think James Winston's due for a solid game. <clears throat> I think he is going to... I think Alvin Kamara is going to have a big day against um against uh against Seattle again cuz Seattle's defense is you know even though you know the Steelers are probably the worst offense in the league and they got 23 on them. So I think the Saints are due to put up at least 35 on um on Seattle and I think that the Saints defense is going to do a good job with the pressure of Cam Jordan and the coverage of Marshawn Lattimore. I think Marshawn Lattimore is going to, uh, I think, one either Lockett or Metcalf. I think one of them is getting locked up. I don't know which one, but I think Lattimore might have the capability of locking down either either of the two. And once you take one of those weapons away, that's like 50, 40% of their offense. One of Each guy is, those two guys are 50% of their offense. If you lock one of them, you're taking away 25% of their offense. With a backup like Geno Smith, I just don't think it's going to happen. I got the Saints winning this one and getting their second straight win after losing to the Giants at home. So, that is all. Those are all the games this week. Like I said, only 13 this week. I think they're back to 16 next week. I'm not completely sure, but yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you again next week. Thank you, and goodbye.